Chapter Thirty One of North Pole Voyages by Zaharia A. Mudge. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Thirty One: A Strange Dream and Its Fulfillment. The winter was fully settled down upon Port Folk, but the dwellers in the schooner United States knew nothing of the anxieties and suffering from cold and hunger which most of the Arctic voyagers have known. There was one foe, however, which they, in common with all who had gone before them, had to fight, namely, depression of mind produced by the weeks of inactivity and darkness. We have seen how many means were used by earlier, as well as later, explorers to meet and vanquish this foe. Dr. Hayes availed himself of the hints given by his predecessors, and had some devices peculiarly his own. To the school of navigation, dramatic performances, and the publishing of a weekly newspaper was added the pleasant stimulus of a celebration of the birthday of every man on board. Such occasions were attended by special dinners, the passing of complimentary notes of invitations to the intended guests, which included all, and by fun-making, at which all laughed as a matter of course. On Sunday all assembled in their clean and best suits, brief religious service was performed in the presence of all, and the day was spent in reading or conversation, save the performance of the necessary routine work. During the favoring light of the moon some excursions were attempted. One was made by Professor Sontag, accompanied by Hans and Jensen, with two dog-sledges. The object was to reach the harbor where Dr. Kane's advance had been left, and ascertain, if possible, her fate. He started early in November, but returned in a few days, baffled by the hummocks and wide, intervening, treacherous ice-cracks. The party had an encounter with, and captured a bear and her cub. The mother fought with maternal fury for her child, tossed the dogs one after another until some of the stoutest and bravest retired bleeding and yelping from the field, and at times charged upon and scattered the whole pack, while the cub itself behaved bravely in its own defense. When the men came up, they threw in, of course, the fatal odds of rifle-balls. Once Hans, his gun having failed to go off, seized an Eskimo lance and ran at the beast. Accepting the challenge of a hand-to-hand -hand fight, she made at him with such spirit that he dropped the lance and ran, and nothing saved the cub from supping on Eskimo meat but two well-directed balls, which whizzed at the right moment from the guns of Sontag and Jensen. The bears made a splendid resistance to the unprovoked attack upon them in the peaceable pursuit of an honest calling, that of getting a living, but were conquered and eaten. Among the sad events of the winter was a fatal disease among the dogs. They all died, but nine, by the middle of December. This was alarming, for upon them depended mainly the spring excursions north poleboard. Such being the situation, Sontag took at this time the surviving dogs, and on a sledge with Hans as a driver, started south in pursuit of Eskimo, if they could be brought with the dogs into the vicinity of the ship and fed, there would be a fair chance of having dog-sledges when they were wanted. 
the nearest known eskimo family was at northumberland island a hundred miles off and others were at the south side of whale sound fifty miles farther perhaps all had gone to the most distant point they departed in fine spirits and well equipped hans cracked his whip and the dogs well fed and eager for a run caused the sledge to glide over the ice with the velocity of a locomotive their companions sent after them a hip-hip hurrah and a tiger the moon shed her serene light on their path and all seemed to promise a speedy and successful return the second night after their departure the solicitous commander had a strange disquieting dream he says in the journal of the following morning i stood with sontag far out upon the frozen sea when suddenly a crash was heard through the darkness and in an instant a crack opened in the ice between us it came so suddenly and widened so rapidly that he could not spring over it to where i stood and he sailed away on the dark waters of a troubled sea i last saw him standing firmly upon the crystal raft his erect form cutting sharply against the streak of light which lay upon the distant horizon christmas came and was duly regarded stores of nice things the gifts of friends far away were brought out from secret corners where they had been hid the tables were loaded with that which satisfied the appetite and gratified the eye while the rooms of officers and men blazed with cheerful lights outside a feeble aurora seemed to be trying to exhibit an inspiring illumination which contrasted strongly with its cloudy background january eighteen sixty one came and half its days passed yet no tidings came from sontag the twilight had returned and already the coming sun was heralded along the golden horizon the commander was becoming uneasy concerning the missing ones and began to devise ways of knowing what has become of them mr dodge was sent to follow their tracks which he did as far as cape alexander where he lost them and returned a party was instantly put in readiness for farther search and was about to start on the morning of january twenty seventh when a violent storm arose detaining it two days as it was on the instant of starting again two eskimos suddenly appeared at the vessel's side one of them was utinar who appears so creditably in the narrative of dr hay's boat voyage they were bearers of sad news professor sontag was dead hans was on his way to the vessel with his wife father and mother and their son a lad who was left behind with mother when hans was first taken on board of the schooner some of the dogs had died and the family were necessarily moving slowly two days later hans came in with the boy only having left the dogs and the old people near cape alexander and come on for help he was very cold and much exhausted and both were sent below for food warmth and rest before being questioned concerning the disastrous journey the large sledge drawn by fresh men was sent for those left behind the old people were found coiled up in an excavation made in a snowbank and the dogs huddled together near them neither dogs nor eskimo being able to stir and so all were bundled in a heap on the sledge and drawn to the schooner 
the hardy savages soon revived under the influence of good quarters and good eating but the dogs five in number the remnant of the strong force of thirty-six lay on the deck unable to stir and not disposed to eat hunt's story was this they made a good run the first day passing cape alexander and camped in a snow hut on sunderland island the next day they reached an eskimo settlement but found its huts forsaken resting and eating here they started for northumberland island and having travelled about five miles sontag becoming chilled sprang from the sledge and ran ahead of the dogs for warmth by exercise hans having occasion to halt the team to disentangle a trace fell some distance behind he was urging forward his team to overtake his master when he saw him sinking he had come upon thin ice covering a recently open crack and had broken through hans hastened up and helped him from the water a light wind was blowing which disposed sontag not to attempt to change his wet clothes the fatal error they hastened back to the hut in which they had spent the night at first the professor ran but after a while jumped on the sledge and when he reached the hut he was stiff and speechless hans lifted him into the hut drew off his wet clothes and placed him into his sleeping bag having tightly closed the hut he set the lamp ablaze and administered to him a portion of brandy from a flask found on the sledge but the cold had done its fatal work he remained speechless and unconscious for nearly twenty-four hours and died hans closed up the hut to prevent beasts of prey from disturbing the body continued south and on the second night came upon a village where he was rejoiced to find several native families who were living in the midst of abundance here hans rested until two eskimo boys whom he hired with the sontag presence could go to cape york after his wife's parents and their son they overdrew or starved four of the dogs which were left by the way the natives whom he found were ready on the moment of his arrival to return to the vessel with him and utiniach and his companion were the first to show their good will by starting with hans on his return a few weeks later the body of sontag was brought to the vessel a neat coffin was made for it and the whole ship's company followed it mourning to its last resting place the burial service was read and it was carefully secured from molestation at a later period a mound was raised over it and a chiselled stone slab with his name and age marked the head august sontag was only twenty-eight years of age when thus suddenly cut off his loss to the expedition was very great hans parents and brother were added to his own family on deck and proved to be much more efficient helpers in domestic affairs than mrs hans the boy was washed and scrubbed and combed by the sailors with whom he became a great favorite filling much the place on board as a pet monkey and proved to be full as annoying to the old cook who in his extreme vexation at this mischievous tricks threatened to kill him a little the old folks getting tired of the close quarters and board built after a while a snow hut on the floe and set up housekeeping for themselves End of chapter thirty one